Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? I'm ready. I'm always very excited for whatever the next thing is you have to offer. All right, let's give it a whirl. Okay, this is great. And I'd like to say hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We're very excited that you're there. We hope you enjoy this and come back and tell people and just keep listening. Yes, uh, thank you all so much uh, for listening, all those uh, loyal uh, listeners out there. And uh, uh, all of you, if this is your first episode of History in Retrograde, well, uh, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently uh, this episode than uh, we usually do. Uh, so to uh, give you a little background uh, of how this, uh, the idea for this episode came to be, I mentioned in our last episode that uh, I uh, got to uh, go down and spend a little time uh, with Mom and the family. Uh, and as part of that, we all went together to see uh, a re-release of Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan uh, in the <laughs> theaters. And uh, that is uh, definitely a film that I recommend to everyone, uh, whether you are a Trekkie or not, uh, you should see, and you should see it in the theaters whenever possible. Um, and uh, as we are coming out of the theater, uh, Mom started to have some uh, uh, very uh, prescient uh, observations about the characters <laughs> in the film, and uh, they were uh, so prescient that I thought, well, m maybe we could make a whole episode out of that. Uh, so uh, we are going to uh, talk a little bit about the uh, characters of uh, the the second installment in the Star Trek franchise, and uh, I will uh, talk a little bit about the uh, in-world history uh, of uh, the villain, uh, Khan Nunyan Singh, and then also give you the uh, real-world history um, of uh, what uh, the 
writers were pulling from uh, when they were writing uh, the arc of uh, one of the greatest uh, villains in uh, theatrical history. Uh, so, uh, Mom, uh, go, take it from here. Uh, what, what were some of your thoughts uh, watching the film? <laughs> okay, so um, I honestly probably don't know everyone's name, so you're going to have to help me with who they are. I mean, I do know Khan, and I do know... Um, uh, it was Captain Spock, right? Yes. Spock was a captain. Yes. And uh, then um, the, uh, of course, Uhura. Mm-hmm. And uh, these were the ones that we were just discussing, except for um, the one that, uh, is it Kirstie Alley? Yes, Savik. Okay. Say it Savik. Savik. Okay. So we were discussing as we went out because I was sort of like, oh, well, obviously Khan is a Scorpio. <laughs> And of course, Spock is a Capricorn. I mean, this is the characters, you know. And then uh, Savik is probably a Virgo. And then uh, Ohura, even though she, uh, I mean, I guess technically should be a Gemini or a Virgo because she's in communications, I really think she's a Libra because she's always in a negotiative kind of frame of mind, you know. And so those are the first things that we started with. And, and I think Chandler agreed with me that those made sense to him, too. Uh, so, yeah. So just go into a, a little bit more detail. Why? I mean, it, it was uh, it, it, you were uh, uh, emphatic that uh, Khan is a Scorpio. Uh, so <laughs> why? What is it about uh, Khan that makes him a Scorpio? <laughs> well... I think personally, and maybe other people would disagree with me, but let's just start with the look. Okay. Let's just start with the character's look. I mean, he's got that kind of, you know, uh, sexy, um, you know, mysterious, uh, kind of demeanor about him. Right. And then he's just talking and he throws off his cape and then he's got those incredible pecs. His costume is uh, very specific and uh, interesting. Of course, everyone in his whole group had those same uh, sort of, mm, is it like abandoned um, on a desert island kind of look about them? You know, they were kind of tattered and but in a sexy way you know very very specific where all the men had very strong pecs and all the women were uh endowed with cleavage and you know everything was very kind of sexy about them which is also kind of what you would think you know your scorpio leader would want you to look like i guess i don't know i mean and this is like caricature scorpio so please do not get upset with me scorpios out there i mean this in the best regard and i was very enthralled i mean who couldn't be with ricardo montalban and his pecs i mean seriously what's uh not to like there so also uh i think that's just the beginning okay that's just uh, let's say just from uh, you know, just he has, at, at first glance there are yes. already uh, these things that make you think uh, of Scorpio instantly. Yes. Uh, that even yes. though he and his band are in tatters, they are very yes. sexy tatters. Yes, they're sexy tatters. They are sexy abandoned pirates. And uh, then, you know, he's very um, into the deal, 
you know, like, uh, no, this is how it's going to be. And revenge, it's right away, it's revenge, right? Mm -hmm. Because his wife died. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you've got that Scorpio revenge. That's relentless. That's never going to end. Someone is going to die. That's the only way this will end, you know, mm -hmm. with that caricature Scorpio behavior. And so he wants revenge. And the whole movie is about him getting revenge mm -hmm. and and that nothing matters except that he's going to get what is due. Right. That's very caricature Scorpio. And uh, and just not. I mean, it's like, you know, um, he could every everything is is broken and <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's still trying to the very end. He keeps trying, you know. And And there are multiple times at which point people. Uh, explained to him that uh, uh, Kirk has already abandoned. His task is already done. He can go away now and then go yes. on to even bigger and better things. But no, no, no. He tasks me. He tasks yes. me and I shall have him. Yes, exactly. It's perfect. It is absolutely like. And then it started making me think I was like, ooh, I should write my characters by giving them charts. You know, mm -hmm. like when I'm writing my characters, I should just create a chart for them and then know what their placements are, mm -hmm. you know, so that then I can go, oh, well, pff, you know, this character is going to talk like this and they're going to look like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It would be honestly excellent character development if I create charts for my characters. Mm -hmm. It's very fun. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I I've uh, always been curious as to uh, can could could we ever look at a fictional character? And I think that we're showing with this um, that there oh, there yeah. is something uh, to be said for looking at uh, these fictional characters as yes, um, a sort of uh, ultimate examples of uh, of these signs. So yes, um, uh, in, in yes, and I think this particular character Khan has many Scorpio placements. And I think he has, you know, either he if he if we do Placidus houses for Gone, uh, he either has, you know, late Sagittarius rise. No, sorry. He either has uh, Scorpio rising or he has Scorpio Sag in his first house. But I think and then he's got a bunch of Scorpio planets in his first house and he's just not going to give up. You know, mm -hmm. there there is nothing going to stop him from getting his revenge. He will die you know at trying mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there's that mm -hmm. and and i i have to tip my hat to scorpios because they do many of them take pride in the fact that they will not give up when it comes to this and uh you know they that's 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 their thing mm -hmm. you know that's uh, i'm not saying all of them are like that i'm just saying people who have scorpio placements can be mm, they can be relentless and not in the way that a Taurus is. A Taurus is different. A Scorpio wants blood. A Taurus, a Taurus is more about not giving up on, on the quest, you know, or the, or the, the direction. Like once a Taurus, once a Taurus starts going a direction, nothing is going to change their mind. They won't change their mind and they're just going to keep going that way until they get there. But it isn't, it isn't for revenge you know, per se, but it is to win, mm -hmm. you know, so that's, that's a different aspect, but that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, so uh, are there any other uh, aspects of, of uh, Khan and Scorpio <laughs> that you wanted to uh, 
talk about that that were uh, uh, very stand out in your mind? Um, I can't think of anything right now. Can you? Did I? <laughs> I might have told you something and then forgot. <laughs> uh, no, no. I, I, I think we we we've covered uh, a lot of it uh, already. Uh, uh, I mean the. Uh, you know, even the title "Wrath of Khan" and yes. uh, and revenge and yes. uh, uh, to the ultimate uh, goal, and I, I yes. think a lot of that um, uh, uh, is so much of what that character is. And then yes. you know, just the the excellent uh, performance <laughs> that uh, Ricardo Montalban gives oh. it. Uh, and, it's amazing, and, and the writing—it's—it's uh, yes. it's Shakespearean at times. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's really good. Uh, uh, just a a a, 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 a fantastic uh, villain, uh, and and yes. uh, Montalban plays it so well. Yes, um, because if you're gonna have a villain, it there needs to be something you like. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, you have to almost kind of be wanting the villain. To win, Mm -hmm. although you know it's not right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They shouldn't win. But when a villain is really good, you kind of want to cheer for them a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, and not like, oh, you know, you're this villain and we're so sad. Well, I mean, for me, it's not like I Ricardo Montalvan was, you know, owning it. You know, He, he wasn't he was not asking anybody to feel sorry for him. He was like, no, you will die. Mm -hmm. You will die, like, and uh, that the, 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 is what has to happen. The the end uh, of the uh, or getting into the climax where where uh, and and what is so great, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we start talking about Kirk, is that Kirk yes. knows how to play him. He he oh, he yeah. figures it out. He knows uh, because because it's like a book. You can you just you you know what this man is about, and and oh, yeah. and so Spock and Kirk uh, uh, decide that they're going to go into the nebula because. Because that's the only chance that they have, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he sees that some of Khan's advisors are starting to get to him, and he's maybe even listening to them, saying, uh, uh, "We don't need to go into the nebula. We should turn around and fix right. our ship." And then uh, Kirk uh, gets onto uh, uh, the intercom, and he says, "We tried it your way once, Khan. Now, are you a game for a rematch?" And then yes. Khan goes to the controls and pulls that guy off, and then goes full impulse pulse power into yes. the nebula um yes. that that is, you you get caught up in uh, the action and in the climax and in his motivation you you, oh, yeah. you you're just carried away with it <laughs> yes and for all the youngsters out there that don't know what we're talking about this is the second Star Trek film, right, James? Yes, yeah. I'll, I'll give uh, a, a little bit more. Um, well, sure. Uh, I'll start talking about it now, and then maybe that'll bring uh, up okay. some more things. Again, this is uh, more of a, a, a looser thing uh, that we're doing here. It's <laughs> yes. part astrology. Uh, we're talk a little history and uh, part film <laughs> critique and all of it. Um, so, uh, so yes, this is Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Uh, this is the uh, second film in the Star Trek franchise. Uh, came out in 1982, uh, and uh, Khan is uh, a character that appeared in the original series. Uh, yes. So uh, the Star Trek series ran from 1966 to 1969, and um, was canceled. 
It almost got canceled after the second season and then was finally canceled after the third season. And nobody even knew what it was. It came on at like Friday uh, evenings and nobody was watching television uh, at that time. And then it becomes a big hit in syndication afterwards because it would come on uh, at four o'clock after school. And people would talk about rushing home to see Star Trek. And then it just got huge. And but uh, Mm -hmm. at the time it was not. In the first season of this show, uh, created by uh, Gene Roddenberry, uh, I think it's the 22nd episode, so it's close to the end of the first season, uh, they mm-hmm. have this episode uh, called Space Seed, uh, where mm. uh, Star Trek, uh, the, the Enterprise, comes across um, this uh, ship uh, that is called the Botany Bay. And uh, uh-huh. on uh, the ship, they find all of these uh, passengers that are in cryogenic sleep, uh, so uh, in a form of stasis, so that uh, they, they're, they're completely asleep but this ship has been out in space for 200 years and uh, they uh, wake up uh, one of the uh, people by accident and that happens to be a man by the name of Khan he does not give his last name and uh, they take him onto the ship and I'm not going to summarize the whole episode but eventually uh, it is discovered that uh, Khan is uh, a superhuman he is a genetically engineered superhuman uh, with uh, who uh, was genetically engineered with uh, 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 superior intellect and uh, superior body strength and uh, he uh, uh, eventually tries to take over uh, the ship and uh, Kirk outwits him and uh, does some of his uh, two-handed punches against him and uh, (laughs) he he almost loses because Ricardo Montalban has superhuman strength and so uh, Kirk has to uh, then use pipes and things against him and eventually subdues him uh, puts him onto uh, an island, which is uh, habitable. Uh, but then uh, we find out in the second film that it is yes. uh, a big explosion happens, and the planet did not become they become inhabitable. Anyway, all yes. of that uh, to say uh, that uh, Khan uh, uh, is this character um, who is. Uh, it, it's really interesting um, how this all comes to be in in, in the writing. Um, so uh, you look at uh, the historical influences that are there. Uh, so they are in the 1960s, and they are predicting the future, uh, yes. or and maybe not, or or just you know what do we know of our recent past? And you look right. at the 20th century up to that point, and every 20 to 30 years, there's been a world war. Um, the 1960s were a time of immense chaos and conflict yes. and violence. So it made all the sense in the world to them to predict future wars. Uh, mm-hmm. So they say that uh, Khan Nunyan Singh uh, would uh, have been born in 1959. So at the time mm-hmm. this episode comes out, he would technically be eight years old, um, mm-hmm. which I also think is really interesting because the target audience of Star Trek is six and seven and eight year olds. Um, <laughs> but. But uh, that later on in the 1990s, which would be 30 years in the future to the people who are uh-huh. writing this, um, in 1992, uh, Khan, uh, with a bunch of other genetically engineered superhuman beings, um, start to take over countries and take over uh, the world and right. uh, create all of these um, dictatorships. And mm-hmm. uh, Khan uh, was described as being uh, a-, a tyrant, a dictator, but he had uh, the most most peaceful of 
uh, these kingdoms, and uh, that his kingdom went from uh, the uh, north of India all the way through uh, the Middle East, and uh, that while it was a brutal dictatorship, uh, he encouraged things like art, and uh, he encouraged music and and things Mm -hmm. like this, Uh, Mm -hmm. whereas others were just completely brutal in um, the way that they uh, led these uh, uh, kingdoms. And eventually, Mm -hmm. from 1992 to 1996, again, this is in the world of Star Trek, um, there is what is called the eugenics wars. And Mm -hmm. so uh, all of the people who are regular human beings, who are not genetically engineered, um, uh, fight uh, against these superhumans. And Mm -hmm. uh, also there's a bit of these superhumans fighting amongst each other. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, you know, you think of the 20th century up to this point had been world wars, had been these sorts of things. And, you know, you look at World War II, it was literally eugenics. The The Nazis believed in a superior race and uh, that they could biologically engineer better human beings. And so this, uh, to the writers of Star Trek, this idea would just come back as many uh, uh, historical ideas do. Uh, so uh, through from 1992 to 1996, uh, there is these eugenics wars. Eventually, uh, the uh, uh, regular human beings uh, get the upper hand. Uh, they uh, charge all of these dictators with war crimes. They uh, 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 kill a lot of them. Uh, but uh, Khan and about 84 others are never seen. They right. don't know what happened to them. And yes. uh, then, uh, 200 years later, uh, the Enterprise uh, finds this ship, the Botany Bay, and it mm-hmm. turns out that uh, Khan uh, went uh, into, he escaped uh, on uh, this ship, and uh, he names it the Botany Bay. Again, this historical tie, the Botany Bay mm-hmm. was the ship that brought uh, prisoners to Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, that they would form their own colony. Uh, so mm-hmm. he, Khan believed himself to be a prisoner, and so he would get onto this ship, and then when he would awake, he would uh, get a new colony. He would get this new mm-hmm. world. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so uh, all of these interesting historical ties. What I also think is really interesting about Space Seed and about uh, what the writers are doing here and Roddenberry's vision of the future is that uh, Khan is uh, from the north of India. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, you look at uh, uh, who they believe these uh, superior human beings would be, and it's a, a diverse group of people. Yes. Um, it is this idea that uh, people from all over the world, they, they would these bad guys would take the best things out of all of these people from all over the world to breed superior human beings. So even in the concept of villains, Roddenberry Mm -hmm. is producing this progressive view of humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Star Trek uh, was uh, one of the first places that you saw an African-American woman uh, equal to uh, 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 white men and Asian men and, Mm -hmm. you know, a Russian who would be on uh, the bridge at the time when the Russians were our enemies. Uh, Roddenberry Mm -hmm. had this vision of all these differences being put aside in the next 200 years. And that goes even into the village villains that he's talking about. Um, uh, so uh, that, that, that's a, a little bit more of a background on um, that episode of Star Trek and, uh, and Khan himself. Um, right. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Which, which character would you like to talk about more next?
Hello? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so um, what I'd like to say is that when this was on at four o'clock in the afternoon, I was in fifth grade. And so when the bus would drop us all off from school at the bottom of the hill, which was about, I guess, two blocks away from my house, we would all walk in mass as fast as we could up a very steep hill <laughs> to get to our houses, which were in the subdivision. <laughs> at the top of the hill so that we could all go into our houses and watch Star Trek. <laughs> and everybody had all the different reasons for why they wanted to watch it. But um, I guess in fifth grade, what, you're 10? Mm -hmm. So I guess I was 10. And so it was very good. But uh, I mean, the ones that we discussed were Khan, um, Kirk, um, Spock, and uh, Uhura, mm -hmm. and... Um, Say it again, Chandler? Savik. Savik. Well, I don't know why I can't remember her name, but uh, I guess it's because her name doesn't go to the character the way I feel her, you know. <laughs> but um, OK, so let's go to her. All right. Let's go to Savik because I'd like to address her. Uh, she is very. Uh, uh, she wants to be the best, right? She wants mm -hmm. to do her job the best. Yes. She's very serious about it. She is very motivated and takes it so very seriously to heart, you know, and she's not trying to put anything over on anyone. She wants people to know she's putting the work into it and that her work is really good, mm -hmm. you know, and then she's quoting um uh, regulations. instruction yeah regulations from the manual you know to spock mm -hmm. and he later tells her don't stop quoting those to me you know and so i find it very interesting because her manner her mannerisms her behavior uh everything about it even in the scene where she comes into the um i know they don't call it an elevator what's it called uh, uh the yeah sure we'll, we'll call it an elevator uh, Okay, so they, when she comes in and her hair is down, and they say, oh, did you do something to your hair? And she goes, uh, yes, but it is regulation. It It, it is, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. she doesn't even let her guard down when she's not even on duty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So to me, that was very Virgo. Like This is a lot of Virgo placement. She's so serious about this, and it's like, it, it's so important to her. My heart went out to her because I have Pluto and Virgo in the first house. So along with my Uranus and Leo and my Leo rising, which are freaky crazy, you know, I have this other side to me that is almost OCD, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> because of my Pluto and Virgo in the first house. So sometimes people think, oh, you know, that she's really funny and she's a Muppet. But then there's this other side to me that's like, everything has to be in order. Everything has to be in the right order. So I really enjoyed her performance because it uh, it gave me satisfaction that she was doing her job so well and that uh, I really did want her to get the kudos for her doing her job that well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so to me, clearly she had Virgo placements. Uh, yeah. And... Uh... From a uh, historical standpoint, I think that the inclusion of the character of Savek, uh, the, the while Roddenberry had a, a very progressive vision of the uh, future for the 1960s, uh, I would say that the one group that maybe did not have the most progressive um, 
uh, interpretation would be women. Uh, the uh-huh. women in Star Trek um, uh, are are have some very tight skirts, uh, some very uh, <laughs> short ones, can be manipulated mm-hmm. uh, by uh, men very easily. Or mm-hmm. uh, you see one uh, one episode, you never see that lady again. Um, mm-hmm. But still, some strong characters like Ohura. Um, even in Roddenberry's pilot, uh, he had a woman first officer on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So st- there's still something a little bit more there than the average television series in the 1960s. But by mm-hmm. the time that we get to the 1980s that this film is being made, we've now gone through uh, second wave feminism. And uh, now we have, uh, uh, I mean, one of the main characters is Savik, and you really get to see uh, her thoughts, and uh, you mm-hmm. get to uh, she plays a vital role uh, in yes. the uh, film, and uh, much more than you know uh, uh, any other female uh, up to that point in the uh, Star Trek uh, series. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I think that that is uh, definitely something that you get from uh, the the fifteen years between the original series and when uh, this film is coming out. Yes, I agree. I think that I in general but I mean even right now Chandler we don't have a lot of good representation for women mm-hmm. in the media mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So I mean you really have to go to podcasts and you have to go to YouTube and even then women are you know if women are going to promote themselves to be that way then that's on them, you know. But uh it makes it hard for the women who really want to be taken seriously but also, I mean, how can we can take men seriously and then also have men be sexy later? You know, I mean, like it, it, there's no reason. I take like Ricardo Ric- Montalban <laughs> very seriously, but I also know that he is very sexy. So he is a sexy man. But uh, you know what I mean? So I think it's very unfair for this media uh, because it isn't it hasn't actually always been that way, because when filmmaking first started, I mean, just to jump off that topic for a second and talk about, you know, the kinds of female characters and strong female characters we had in silent films, you know, mm-hmm. so and, and, and we had women female were even f- more in the production side, because in the early Absolutely. days of the film industry, it was yes. looked at as this uh, uh, outgrowth of show business, and it was not yes. seen as uh, the influence that it would later have. So that allowed a lot of minority groups, a lot of Jewish people and uh, yes. African Americans and uh, homosexuals and women to have yes. vital roles in getting their stories in the very early days of film. Yes, and literally everyone around the world. So every every nationality, every sexuality, you know, everything was in film originally because it was an art form. Mm-hmm. It wasn't they weren't making I mean, they were I guess they hoped they were going to make money. But at the beginning, they it wasn't about the money mm-hmm. now. And for however many decades, it's just been about the money, mm-hmm. you know. And so if you really want art films, then you have to kind of pick and choose through indie films and hope that you're going to you know, hit on something. But that was kind of the way it was in the beginning anyway. But I don't want to go too far off topic. I just wanted to express that uh, just because you see it on TV or at the movies doesn't mean it's real. In fact, it is not real. It is a movie or a TV show. It's not real. So except, there's that. Except for Ricardo Montalban's chest, <laughs> that is real. People have said that, that is it real. is not, and that is not true. Mm-hmm. He was doing pull-ups okay. and chin-ups on the set. That is all <laughs> him and his upper body strength. 
<laughs> That's so funny. And I don't know how old he was in that. I mean, he had to be in his 50s, right? Uh, yeah, in the 40s or 50s, yeah. I mean, Oh, I think he's past 40s in that. Because he had, isn't he the one that did... Uh, I mean, he was with the Esther Williams. Uh, what is it? The Fantasy Island? Yes, he and yes. So he was in the. Um, he was way. He was in his. Yes. He, he had to be pushing sixty. Uh, he he was in the uh, sixth season of uh, Fantasy Island when he got yeah. uh, the call to do uh, this, and he was not sure if he wanted to come back. And then he yeah. read the script, and he was like, "Well, it is something very different." Um, than what I'm doing on Fantasy uh-huh. Uh And uh, then he, he, he read the script and he said, uh, when, uh, when I am not on screen, all of the characters uh-huh. are talking about me. Uh, <laughs> it will be my film. Yes! Uh, so, uh, it is his film. Yeah. yeah. I think it is his film. Yeah. Uh, I, think every, I think he's got that right. I think everyone else is a... Uh, you know, a, 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 a co-act, and not even like they're a, a they're... peripheral character. <laughs> yes, to this. even even yes. he. There's only one man who could possibly make William Shatner a peripheral character, and that right? is Ricardo Montalban. Uh, yeah, he was born Kong. in 1920, so he would have been 62 <laughs> at the time. Right, uh, that this film. Yes, uh, yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, he was buff. Yeah, 62 years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we've covered Khan and we've covered Savik. Um, uh-huh. I think uh, let, let's. Uh, yeah. well, who do you want to talk I, about? I want next? to go. I, I'd like to go to Uhura. Can I go to Uhura? Okay. 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 So Uhura, and and just because I I I am a Star Trek fan now, it has been a while since I have watched all the series. But like, if I'm watching the original series, I can usually tell you exactly what's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Um, even in like the really obscure ones that I thought I couldn't possibly remember. And then I'm like, isn't this the one where those fried eggs come off of the ceiling and land on the floor? And they people? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's parts that I can remember. I'm like those fried eggs are weird. But um, <laughs> Star Trek fans know what I'm talking about. Um, but Uhura was, you know, very smart and very intelligent and very composed at some of the most difficult moments on the Enterprise, it was her job to make sure that all the communication happened properly. And that's huge, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, other people are trying to make the ship go and, and, and shoot things and whatever, but her job was to keep the, you know, the, the, the communication open. Well, Okay, and she does that great, right? She's really good at that. But she's also gorgeous, okay? Uhura is a gorgeous character, and she is uh, alluring, you know? But alluring in a way like I want to say like a Libra is. Um, Libra women are... I would say Uhura might actually have Libra and Scorpio placements because a lot of times whenever you have, like... Uh, Gemini, you'll have cancer placements or you'll have Taurus Taurus placements or whatever, you know. So for Ahura, I would say that because she did fall in love several times in in the series, right? Mm-hmm. And whether it whether she was uh drugged <laughs> or under the influence of this or that or whatever, she her, it, it was real for her, mm-hmm. you know. I'm pretty sure 
Am I correct me if I'm wrong, but she did fall in love with Spock. Yes. And I think she was kind of always in love with Spock. Yes. Okay. So then she, there was a love scene where the kiss was with uh, Captain Kurt. Yes. But she was under the influence of something. Or they were being forced to, through telekinesis, to, uh, by, by an alien being, to, to do that. Okay. Um, All right. Well, I knew that, but I don't think they hated it. Uh, I, I don't, I think that they were upset that they were being uh, forced uh, by uh, the, the alien to do it. Okay. But then. I, I don't think Captain she... Kirk regretted any kiss. No, he was all about it. He is. Uh, we'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> we'll get to him in a minute. But, uh, you know, so, I mean, it, I don't know. I just get the this. I feel that Uhura is very um, fair minded and she sees both sides. And it isn't necessarily shown in this particular film, but I know her background and the character, you know, the character's background and how she does tend to also try to communicate the um, thoughts or feelings or whatever of the other side, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why I feel that she is, she has Libra placements. Mm -hmm. And so what do you think? Uh, I, uh, I would say Ohura um, maybe isn't as, um, uh, uh, extreme in in what sign she would say, to my knowledge, as a mm-hmm. con or a mm-hmm. Spock. Oh no! Uh, yeah, but Libras are not right. So Libras uh, I, are I, I never would defer to your judgment on that. Yeah, Libras are 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 not. Uh, I mean, they're strong in what they are, and what they are is fair minded and pretty mm-hmm. and loving. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't. The bad side of Libra would be that they let people walk all over them, that they fall in love every five minutes. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 a very their their downside isn't even that bad. You know, so um, I mean, maybe they might gossip or um, may. I don't even think they would ghost anybody. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like that. I feel strongly that she has Libra placements. Uh, so uh, the two items of, of historical context that I would bring to Ohura um, both uh, mainly come from the original series. One, uh, you already mentioned that, um, the kiss between uh, Kirk and Ohura. Uh, so um, that was the first interracial kiss ever put on to television. Uh, and the censors uh, at... Um, uh, NBC uh, did not want that to air. They believe that that would cause a lot of trouble in the southern markets, uh, in mm-hmm. markets all across the nation. Uh, they believe that the country was not ready to see a white man and a, a black woman kiss. And uh, so the censors were actually on the set uh, when uh, they did the takes of of this kiss. And uh, Shatner uh, knew what they were doing, that they were trying to get this cut. And uh, mm-hmm. so uh, he did the several takes uh, with <laughs> with the kiss, and then the the censors made the director do a take without 
the kiss. And so they mm-hmm. just embrace. But uh, Shatner made a goofy face uh, when, mm-hmm. the, when they did that, uh, making oh, it yeah. not usable. So they had to mm-hmm. use one of the ones where they kissed. And mm-hmm. uh, in a time of the civil rights movement, in a time when uh, uh, nearly every day on television you are seeing African-Americans uh, who are uh, protesting uh, for their rights to be treated equally right. and being sprayed with fire hoses and chased off yeah. with dogs, um, yeah. that's the context that, that Star Trek is being put onto the air with. And right. uh, during this time of the civil rights movement, um, oh, uh, uh, Nichelle uh, Nichols, uh, who played O'Hara, uh, was mm-hmm. um, thinking of quitting. She didn't want to play yeah. the role anymore. She didn't like the way that she's being treated on set. And mm-hmm. uh, somehow... Um, Dr. Martin Luther King heard about this and mm-hmm. he got a contact of her and said, no, you have to stay. You right. are, are are such a, a beacon of light for yes. African-Americans everywhere, uh, for, yes. for black women everywhere to see you as an example. You're doing yes. so much good uh, for our cause by by yes. doing uh, uh, by being this character. And that is what uh, convinced her uh, to, to stay on and, and continue in this role um, that wow. uh, uh, she would uh, make immortal. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, uh, that is uh, some of the more uh, uh, historical context uh, behind her. Um, now, mm-hmm. uh, so I th- we have uh, Kirk and Spock. I would also like to just put into your mind uh, McCoy. See if uh, you can think of any uh, signs that you think uh, McCoy uh, might represent. But if you want to take uh, Kirk or Spock first, uh, go ahead. Well, I think McCoy is going to... I, I, I've thought about it and, you know... I want to say maybe he's a cancer uh, because he's crotchety, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's kind of uh like a crab. So I want to say maybe he has cancer placements because, you know, like he's a healer and he he doesn't say things like in. I mean, I don't know. In in this particular film, there's only this aspect. The, The film was made for fans of the show, you know. And and in the hopes that all the fans would come to the film, I'm sure, because I mean, and I'm sure they got new fans, but I feel like Dr. McCoy is more of a uh, cancer placement. He's very crabby and uh, and and like, um, you know, Mr. Crab, (laughs) he's very um, he would get angry about, you know, if people did something in, you know, the 20th century where they cut people open mm-hmm. with knives, mm-hmm. you know, and he would get really mad about stuff like that. And uh, and so I, I feel very uh, cancer placements with him. He's watery. He's cranky. And I don't mean this in a bad light for all of you beautiful, wonderful moon baby cancers out there, because I do love you. And I have Venus at 29 degrees, Gemini, which puts my Venus at cancer when it's activated. And I turn into Betty Crocker and Martha Stewart. But um, I just feel that he is the cranky, crotchety, lovable uh heart of gold you know dr mm-hmm. mccoy mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the 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 whole idea between McCoy and Spock and Kirk is that Kirk was supposed to be the one in the middle, the fulcrum, mm-hmm. the one who balances, and then McCoy is the emotion. McCoy is hmm. the the appeal to the the pathos, um, mm-hmm. and uh, 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 Spock is the logos. He is the logic. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, McCoy is uh, you know goes off the handle and and right. uh, barks and and has these. <laughs> emotional responses um and and like uh, you know uh, McCoy and Spock they, they don't get along they're like uh, oil, you know uh, oil and vinegar uh, yeah. and uh, uh, the, there's at one time when they're discussing in this movie uh, the Genesis device and um, uh, Spock says that you know it's fascinating that they would be able to use this device to create new life and uh, McCoy it, you know you you green blooded you know heartless uh, uh, man, you know uh, don't you have any humanity in you and you know of course Spock Spock is uh, trying to get rid of the half-human part of him. Uh, so, right. uh, but that 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 barking, that that emotional response, that guttural. But then you look earlier in the film, and what does he do? He gives a gift uh, to Captain Kirk on his birthday, or now right. Admiral, or as uh, as Montalban says, Admiral, Admiral yes. Kirk. Um, He gives him eyeglasses uh, because uh, Kirk is allergic to the uh, uh, whatever new thing that they've concocted uh, uh, for uh, taking care of your eyes. Uh, So Uh he's going to need glasses. And so uh, McCoy knows this and is his friend and so gives him this gift and a gift that, you know, it's an antique. They don't even make eyeglasses anymore. These are hundreds of years old. Um, So the, the, the crab is there but then that uh-huh. gentleness is always there and uh, yes. he's a doctor he is caring yes. for people he is a nurturer yes. Um, yes. and th- there are definitely episodes of, of Star Trek where uh, he goes to I remember whatever one where they find the Easter Bunny uh, or, yes. or not the Easter Bunny the, the one from Alice in Wonderland and he talks uh-huh. about all of his past loves and uh, mm-hmm. McCoy does and so yeah. he, uh, watery and emotional mm-hmm Okay, so we were on the same page with that. You caught that, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, very cool. Yeah, because what's interesting, too, is if we say that McCoy is a cancer and has or has cancer placements, right? And he is nurturing. You're getting so good at this, Chandler. I'm very proud of you. Um, And so he is nurturing and cancers are healing, right? They are. Mm -hmm. But if you if we put Spock as a Capricorn and McCoy is a cancer, they oppose each other. Mm They are literally on the opposite sides of each other. Yeah. So I think that that that's actually very perfect. I think McCoy is uh, got cancer placements, mm-hmm. and that works out really well. All right. And I also wanted to add that Star Trek would not have come to be without one very important woman. Do you uh, know who yes, that is? Yes. Uh, the, Were you going to get to that anyway? Uh, I, 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 that, that actually wasn't part of this. I, I, I figured we'll, we'll take a, a whole look into her life eventually. Um, okay. But, uh, I mean, if you want to talk about yes, it. Yes, I would very much like to talk right. about this because Lucille Ball was brilliant. A brilliant actress, a brilliant comedian, and a brilliant businesswoman. And she and um, she... 
Oh my gosh, his name just went away. Tell me his name. Desi Arnaz. Desi Arnaz created Desi Lou. Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball, Desi Lou. Uh, it was a production company and Desi Lou Studios. And it was her uh, oomph and her connections that got the uh, budget and the production together for Star Trek. So without Lucille Ball, there would be no Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very, very lovely. And uh, so, okay, did you want to do more history or do you want me to go into the last two characters? Yeah, let, let's talk about, and probably the two most known, uh, uh, Kirk mm-hmm. and Spock. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm going to start with Spock because I talk about Spock pretty often anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So I always refer as like, this is iconic Capricorn, right? It can be also Aquarius, but... It's really more Capricorn because Aquarians are a little less Spock-like, Vulcan-y <laughs> than, um, than um, uh, Capricorns. Mm-hmm. And even though Saturn originally ruled Capricorn and Aquarius, Capricorns are a specific animal, okay, uh, Capricorns have a have a natural hard time with their emotions anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was obvious that this character, this Vulcan, is uh, Capricornian, right, and ruled by Saturn, which is control. It's all about control, controlling yourself, possibly the dark side, controlling other people. But uh, there are the moments that are shown with Spock where he loses control. Mm-hmm. And when he loses control, he is super out of control. And that, I think, as a person with Capricorn Moon, I understand. Because I tend to try to be in control. And then sometimes I can let my Marzenaries out and she runs rampant. And... <laughs> My Capricorn can't control that. And so when you think of the episodes where Spock is supposed to go back to marry this yeah, woman so and he has to fight to. Oh, we're out of time. No, no. That's the name of the episode. Amok oh, time. oh, my gosh. I was like, how are we out of time? I don't understand. Yes. So he is supposed to go back to his home planet of Vulcan, right? Yes. Am I remembering it right? Mm-hmm. And he's supposed to fight someone to the death. And it's it's biological. It's in the yes. Vulcan. It's bi- so I think it's every seven years that right. um, you 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 have to go back to Vulcan, and yes. uh, uh, that this marriage has been arranged for uh, many years. I'm not exactly sure if it's always you have since to since they were little. Yes, but I don't I don't know if it's always you have to go and and fight uh, another no, man. No, it was, to, it was for it was, this particular thing. What had happened? Get married. What had happened is that the woman who he was betrothed to uh, had developed uh, affections with another right. man, and so right. was going to put them uh, uh, against each other. Anyway, right. yes, he goes yeah. crazy. He starts crying. He gets a computer. Yes. He just completely yes. busts the computer. Uh, yes. So uh, yeah, very explosive. Yeah. It can get ugly when a Capricorn loses control because they don't know what to do with that. Like a Leo or an Aries or a Cancer, any of those guys, man, they can rock all that emotion, right? Scorpios, it doesn't matter. They're good with it. But when you deal with a Virgo or a Capricorn, those two especially, and then coming in third would be Gemini, 
And then fourth might, nah, nah, I was going to say Sag, but no, they, 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 they do their own thing. <laughs> they don't do that. But um, it's very interesting. So it's clear to me that uh, Spock and I guess all the Vulcan people are all born in Capricorn. I don't know. Well, but, I mean, it's a different um, planet. Yeah, you know? it's a different. So point. their their so, moons and stuff are going to be completely different. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, from a philosophical standpoint, the idea yeah. behind the Vulcans is stoicism, is the purging yes. of emotions, is yes. uh, that you everything with logic. That is how you yes. um, uh, uh, come to all, all of your conclusions. That is what you um, can right. can test the whole world with. Um, it is yes. the best in their view way uh, of looking yeah. at the world. Um, yes, I, I uh, the the big theme of this movie uh, said multiple times uh, the needs of the many outweigh yes. the needs of the few or the yes. one. And yes. uh, that is what causes uh, Spock um, yes. to go and try and uh, uh, go into a, a radiation leak mm-hmm. uh, and, and be exposed to excessive radiation to try and get the right. uh, Enterprise to get its warp speed to get out of there uh, before yes. um, the, yes. the, con- the uh, uh, Ricardo Montalban can have his revenge. Um, <laughs> That's right. So the, that I, is there anything uh, to go off of uh, astrology? She wise behind that that phrase, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Uh, well, I think that that is very that's a logical thing. Now, also, I'd like to add that one. I think you need to put spoilers spoiler alert at the beginning of this in case people haven't seen any of this because they should see right. it. You know and what I, I mean? I did it's not, like okay, I have, I have go not... binge watch all of Star Trek original and go binge watch these movies and then come back and listen to this episode. But also, I wanted to say that it is very Capricorn. It is a very Capricorn thing to martyr yourself Mm -hmm. because you feel that you can handle this more than someone else. Mm -hmm. And whether that is blowing smoke up your skirt or whatever, it is something that in many times they are not martyring themselves so that they can get glory for it. Mm -hmm. They are literally saying to themselves, I will do this because it's going to be better if I do it. I'll just do it and it'll be what it is, you know? And it's, it's, it is a Capricorn trait. Mm-hmm. And it can be a cancer trait too, but it's a different thing with a cancer. And I'm not saying anything bad because I think anyone who's willing to, you know, put themselves on the line is, you know, really cool. But um, I never, and I want to reiterate, I love all of the signs. So I don't want anyone to feel that I'm bashing on anybody. I have a moon in Capricorn. It is, it can be very, very difficult for me to find the right ways to express myself. And it's very, very, very difficult for me to accept gifts or emotion or true, honest emotion, because I come from a place where I was manipulated as a child and as an adult. And so I don't know, because I I don't trust my emotions. And that's a very moon and Capricorn thing. So if you don't trust your emotions, it's better probably not to use them. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, so, uh, before we get on to, uh, the guy, uh, James Tiberius Kirk, 
any thoughts on uh, Scotty? Any thoughts on uh, anybody um, else uh, in the uh, in this film or in or in Star Trek and as epitomes or examples of of astrology? Well, throwing Scotty in there, I mean. We can go to Sulu. We can yeah, go. Yeah, Scotty, you know, Sulu, Chekhov. Yeah, anything that that sparks. I have not thought about them, and I don't want to just jump yeah. the gun because we're already getting kind of close to time, and I don't want to just jump into that and not really think about it because okay. I'd rather think about it. Sure. Because I, I, I have to think not only about this film, but I have to think about their person, their character's personality in general. Okay. You know. Sure. And, uh, you know, how I feel because Scotty is very um, uh, expressive, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And under a lot of pressure. All the time. a lot of pressure. And he always comes through. You know, it's rare that he doesn't come through. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I don't, I would actually, if I can, just hold off on those and maybe we can come to I, this again. I, yes, I, I think that there are uh, other <laughs> other opportunities uh, for Star Trek uh, to come up again, uh, definitely uh-huh. from a historical standpoint and mm-hmm. uh, from this uh, as we, we can we could do reviews of episodes, we do reviews of, yeah. of movies, uh, whatever we yes. want. Yes. And so I'll hold off on those and let's just go straight to James Tiberius Kirk. All right. <laughs> Okay. Well, I mean, if your astrologer is listening to this, hopefully you agree with me. I mean, clearly James Tiberius Kirk has Sagittarius placements. He is very ultimate Sagittarius. <laughs> he has, uh, you know, maybe uh, Leo rising, possibly because of his dramatic delivery of his words. It's possible. But that whole, you know, out into space and let's go out and let's find things and let's meet new cultures and, you know, the whole thing, Mm -hmm. everything that the Enterprise does, and he's the captain of it, is Sagittarian. Mm -hmm. Traveling, traveling the universe, hello. (laughs) And then he is quite the ladies' man. And he is not so much about being um, with one. Uh, he likes all of them. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying he, he, he doesn't normally have more than one at a time, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, he normally only has one at a time. So that's very wonderful of him. It's not like he's, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm not. We have say no it, evidence of cheating. No, we don't, you know. And in this particular film, it's a very nineteen sixties. Well, you know, you have your one. Uh, if you if you can't be with the one you love, or love the one love you're with. Love the one you're with. Uh, That's you right. know, going uh, and and you know, uh, diversity, green ladies. Uh-huh. Uh huh. La- yes, ladies, that's very sexy. You know, uh, uh, any any sort of you know tinfoil bikini. Uh huh. Yeah, he he's uh, all he, he's yeah. an equal opportunity, and he is not. Uh, intimidated by anything, Mm-mm. right? He's very confident, and he's not confident in. I mean, I don't want to say he's just naturally confident, mm-hmm. all right. And people with Sagittarius placements are naturally confident. The one, yeah, he even kind of blurts out things that he probably shouldn't. So that's also very have a problem, you know, with that kind of thing. He is very fiery, 
obviously, but he is not Ares because mm-hmm. Ares would be killing things, right? But, and he's really, he's more mm-hmm. about the adventure of it. And he's not Leo, so much Leo placements that he's, it's, it overshadows the adventure, right? And uh, he is, uh, yeah. Uh, every I, I just see him as m- many Sagittarius placements, and um, you know, even in his, you know, even in this film where he's in his later years and he is his collection of antiques on the walls and you know all of these things, they're very nice things. He has a lot of very nice things in his tiny space mm-hmm. that he has cut out for himself in this, mm-hmm. you know, uh. Space Center. I don't know where they are, but oh, they're in San Francisco. They're in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Well, very cool. But does that all make sense to you? Yes, but but you know, you talk about his his uh, his bachelor pad because he never settled down, right? But, uh, and we meet him, and he is, uh, you know, I think he's also approaching sixty. I think yeah, he's born in twenty five. So yeah, clo- you know, close to it. Um, and he's miserable because he has achieved all of his adventuring has achieved him, you know, this uh, this rank of of admiral. Yes, um, and now he's not the captain of a starship. So he doesn't go on adventures anymore. Right now, he's in the bureaucracy of Starfleet. Yeah, so this he would is hate a, that. A, a, a a coming of age uh, story for him. Yeah. Of, of you're now it's your birthday. It's your birthday, yeah. Jim, and and you're miserable. And yeah. you know, Bone says to him, uh, "Why does it feel like we're we're at a funeral on his yeah. birthday?" Yeah. Um, and then you see the excitement when uh, uh, this this start the the story starts to unfold, and yeah. he may need to. To uh, command the starship, and he goes yes. and he asks Spock for permission, and mm-hmm. and, and Spock is like, well, and, and, uh, and Kirk quotes regulation to Spock, saying, "I technically, mm-hmm. you're the one, you're the command of of the starship." And Spock mm-hmm. says, "The greatest mistake you ever made, my friend Jim, is when you became an admiral because now you're no longer the captain. Please take over right. the ship. Do yes. what you were meant to do. Explore. Yes. Have yes. this adventure. Yes." Yes, absolutely. When you put a Sagittarius in a cage, you might as well just open a vein and let them slowly bleed out mm-hmm. because they need that. They need the adventure. They need that adrenaline. They they need these things to happen. You know, mm-hmm. it brings them joy. It's it's it stirs their soul. And so it's really important. But I think I I feel confident in my um in my <laughs> analysis yes analysis of these characters i do mm-hmm. feel confident in that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh, uh i so uh, i think um the there are other films uh in the star trek series that are more blatant and certainly episodes that are more uh blatantly ripped from headlines or ripped from historical things i think wrath of khan is more um, it, it, there are less of those elements in there. I, I can't really look to this story and say, oh, this is because of uh, what's going on in the Cold War at this time. Uh, right. You look at the, the Undiscovered Country, and it is blatant that they are talking about the end of the Cold War. But uh-huh. this, I think, even if you don't think you like Star Trek, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, uh, mm-hmm. you th- it's just not part of your culture, mm-hmm. I think you can come into this fi- 
film yeah. and just see these characters. Yep. Um, I think that this is the one film of the entire franchise that mm-hmm. is the most easily palatable um, to anyone from any knowledge of the franchise. Yes. I think a lot of that has to do with the writing of it and these characters and the mm-hmm. action, but it is, it's again, very Shakespearean in mm-hmm. how these men, uh, how, how these characters talk to each other and, uh-huh. uh, and the stories that are at play. Um, yes. I I uh, uh, I said it uh, when we came out of uh, the film, and I stand by it. I do believe that Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan is one of the ten best films ever made. <laughs> um, and if you do not agree with me, uh, I will uh, fight you in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Um, now, it will be uh, in the style of Star Trek, so I will fight as Captain Kirk does. <laughs> I will interlock my hands and have a two-handed uh, punch, um, <laughs> and I will become victorious. Um, it, it is, and, and I'm willing to admit that it may be number 10. There may be nine <laughs> other films that are better, but there are not 10. Um, it, it is it is fantastic. Uh, uh, it, it, I I love every minute of it. Um, it is one of only a handful of movies that gets me to cry every time oh. I've seen it. I know oh. what's going to happen, and oh. I still cry. Um, I know. So uh, I I, I cannot encourage you all more uh, to uh, see this film, and any time <laughs> you can see it in the theater in the big screen, yes. do so. Um, yes. Uh, Mom, are there uh, any other uh, thoughts that you have on uh, on Star Trek on this on this uh, our own uh, wild uh, trek that we've gone on uh, this uh, this last hour? Well, I have to say that, you know, first of all, I do not want to fight you, Chandler, because you're a big guy. And so I'm not going to even try to fight you. I'm not sure that my opinion agrees with that, but I will uh, concede I, I, I look to forward you. to seeing your uh, 10 other films that are better than this. <laughs> Well, mine are a little bit different. Mine are a little bit different than yours. But um, with that said, I do feel like if you do get the opportunity to see this in the movie theater with the popcorn and the candy and, you know, the whole thing, it's really a fun time. And um, I do feel that it maybe this is something. Can you guys let us know if you like this? And maybe we can do some other things like this, maybe during the seasons, you know, or maybe we'll do some extras or something and uh, bring you guys some more entertainment like this if you like it. Uh, yeah, please uh, let us know. Uh, if you'd like to uh, reach out to us, um, we have all the links to our social media posted uh, in our show description. Uh, please reach out, Facebook, Instagram, Gmail. Um, we also have a link to our PayPal account. Uh, every little bit helps in uh, helping us uh, to uh, create a better quality show and uh, get this show um out to a uh, broader audience. Uh, we would love to go uh, intergalactic with this thing. Uh, yes. So uh, uh, please, uh, every little uh, contribution you could make could help us do that. Also, if you would like to be your very own mystery history guest, we can make that happen for you. Uh, we have a, a link there uh, to uh, my mom's email. So Chandler's mom at historyandretrograde.com. And you can email her there and uh, she can uh, go over with you the details details of how uh, she can do uh, your natal chart or maybe a sinistry chart with that special someone. Uh, Mom, is there anything else that you'd like to add? 
Now, I just want to say that right now I'm getting a lot of emails from you all, and I love hearing from you. And I am uh, taking uh, appointments for October at this time. So if you want an appointment for October, then uh, give me a, send me an email and I'll send you all the information. And for all those who have already had your charts done, I love you guys. It's really fun doing your charts. I feel like I get to know you really well. Some of you I already knew <laughs> really well, but for the new ones, it's, it's very fun. It's, I feel like I have so many new friends. Uh, so, uh, thank you all uh, so much for listening. As always, in conclusion, uh, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Yep, everything's going to be just fine. Thank you so much. We love you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Live long and prosper. <laughs>Deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.